morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, that's found on page 899 in your Spanish Bibles, and on page 812 in your English Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Before we get to our passage this morning, I was reading of a, uh, of a report from a missionary named Dr. Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary in Zaire, and she shared a story about prayer. She said, at our mission station, a mother had unfortunately died giving birth to a premature baby. And we tried to improvise an incubator to help keep the infant alive, but the only hot water bottle that we had was beyond repair. It would leak everywhere. And so we asked the children to pray for the baby and for her sister who had been left by the death of her mother. And so one of the girls prayed, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. That afternoon, a large package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as we opened it. And much to their surprise, under some of the clothing was a hot water bottle. The girl who prayed immediately ran to the package and dove in. And as she dove in, she said, if God, God sent that, I'm sure he also sent a doll. And she was right. There was a doll at the bottom of the package. Dr. Helen Rosevier says, five months earlier, our Heavenly Father had led a ladies' group to include both of those specific items. Our Father knew in advance of our need and provided according to this child's sincere requests. What a touching story. I can barely get through it. Yet, for many of us, as we listen, we're cynical. Maybe you're here this morning and you're exploring Christianity and prayer sounds like hoping for some kind of magic to just happen. Or maybe you're a Christian and you're praying for something particular and God just does not seem to want to listen. Or maybe you know that God answers prayers. Prayers just like this that this little girl in Zaire prayed. And yet you just don't pray. Wherever you find yourself this morning, Jesus teaches all of us how to pray and why we can trust our Heavenly Father to provide. Let's read Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Again, found on page 899 in your Spanish Bibles and page 812 in your English Bibles. This is Jesus speaking. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us who are here this morning who are cynical. Help us who are here this morning who have been praying and praying and praying and praying. And it doesn't seem like you're listening. Be with those of us who believe that we are to pray, who believe that prayer actually is real and that you answer prayers, and yet, Lord, we just don't pray. And Lord, for those who I haven't expressed directly of their need this morning, Lord, I pray that you would meet each one of us as you've promised, speak to us by your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we continue in our sermon series this morning called Teach Us to Pray. Last week, we were in Psalm 24, and we looked at the second and third petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done are the second and third petitions. And we took them together because they really go hand in hand. God's kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven are directly tied to one another. And we ask the question, do we desire for the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done? Do we desire the promises of the one day, the day that is to come, to be made known and experienced in the here and now? Jesus says that when we pray like this, we're asking for the Father to give us a new desire for his kingdom and his will. We saw that desiring God's kingdom conforms our will to his because of his action in the past, his action in the future, and his action in the present. This morning we move to the fourth petition, Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. We have to remember that. I don't know if I've actually expressed that directly, but as we pray the Lord's Prayer or pray according to how Jesus taught us, each of those petitions is supposed to begin with our Father, right? Our Father, hallowed be your name. Our Father, your kingdom come. Our Father, your will be done. Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Each of those petitions is to be within the context of us coming to our Father. The first three petitions focused on God, our Father, on His name, His kingdom, and His will being done. And now Jesus kind of instructs us to move the focus of our prayer from God, our Father, in terms of His name, His kingdom, and His will, and instructs us to pray for our own needs. He uses the most basic of needs to help us understand that our Heavenly Father wants to give us even the most basic and simplest of our needs. Yeah, I think a lot of us, we forget that God our Father actually wants to address the most simplest of our needs. We might kind of wait and, you know, to pray to God for things until there's something really big, right? Right? 
There's something really, really important that we want God to act upon. And so we save all the little things because we can handle those things on our own. And we wait and we come to God with those big things, which God wants us to come with both big and small. The simplest and most complex. But in order to pray for our basic needs, we need to ask ourselves, do we believe that our Father is good? Do we believe that our Father is good and is He trustworthy? Do we believe that our Father is good and that He's trustworthy? As I've mentioned earlier in our series, for some of us in this room to believe that our Father is good and trustworthy is a difficult thing because of our earthly fathers, right? To, to think about what does it mean for our Father to be good and trustworthy is difficult because of our earthly fathers who were not necessarily all that good and weren't all that trustworthy. And so even in the midst of coming to this way of understanding our God, understanding how to pray, some of us have to believe that God, our Father, is good and He's trustworthy and He's not like our earthly father. Because even the best earthly fathers fail. Even the best earthly fathers as Jesus reminds us in this text, are sinful and don't always have the good in mind of, of their children and always can't be trustworthy. But Jesus repeatedly reminds us that our Father in heaven is good, that he can be trusted. And he uses, as I just referenced, this mini parable in our text this morning to point out that our God is, our Father is a good Father. He says, if our earthly parents, who are ultimately sinful, give us bread and fish when we ask instead of rocks and snakes, how much more will our Heavenly Father, who is good, give us good gifts? And we see this morning, because our Heavenly Father is perfectly good, we can trust His provision. We can trust His provision as we ask, seek, and knock, as we, for our, for our daily bread and for our good. First, we can seek His provi provision as we ask, seek, and knock. Verses 7 through 8, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives... And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. These three expressions that Jesus uses, ask, seek, and knock, underline the effectiveness of prayer. Jesus is saying that prayer actually works. That when you come to your Heavenly Father and ask, He will respond. Everyone who asks, Jesus says in verse 8, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. So Jesus, right from the beginning, is underlining the effectiveness of, the, of prayers of children of God. 
but they also show the, per, the persistence that our Father desires in our prayers. Our Father, Jesus, says, desires for us to be persistent in our prayers, to not just ask once, to not just seek once, not just knock once, but to be persistent in the way that we come to Him in our prayers. All three of the imperatives in verse 7 are in the present tense, indicating a continuous, persistent prayer. It is such a prayer that we find an answer, Jesus says, that seeking helps us to understand, this idea of seeking helps us to understand the continuous persistence, right? To ask something may not have quite that, that thrust for us, but when we talk about seeking, I mean, right, you've, you're, you've lost something, you can't find it, you know, that, that sock that somehow just, you know, disappears through the, through the wash, and you're looking for it and looking for it and looking for it, you're seeking, you're seeking, you're, you're looking until you don't give, until you can't either find it or you don't give up until you find it. Jesus is saying, seek and understand the persistence that your heavenly Father desires. Now, knocking does seem kind of odd when you're thinking of prayer, but Jesus may have had a specific cultural illustration in mind, a specific thing that we might not quite understand in our cultural uh, context. But in Middle Eastern culture, this, un- this may have been more understood, that when someone arrived at the gates or the outer door of a home, they would knock or call out, and someone, either representative of the master of the house or the master himself, would come to the gate, to the door, and would see, is this person who is seeking entrance, are they a person that should be given entrance into this home? Are they trustworthy? Are they known? Are they someone that should be let in. The outer gate, the door, was the place where the aspect of deciding whether someone was able to come in or not was done. You wouldn't ask a person to come into like your living room to have that conversation. You would do it at the outer gate or outer door. But once someone was given access, once their knocking produced a welcome into that outer courtyard and into the home, it was understood that that person had full access, had access to every room in your home, could walk around and didn't have to knock on doors to enter. They just had access to come and go in the rest of your home and the rest of your property as they saw fit. They could come and go from each room. They had freedom to go anywhere in the home that they desired. It was all available to them. And so Jesus, by giving us this illustration of knocking, is saying, the Father is greeting you at the outer door. When you knock and he lets you in, you have access to everything that the Father has at his disposal. Everything that he deems good for you is available for you. Verse 8 begins with for everyone. For introduces a reason. This reason is with our Heavenly Father, His children who ask receive. And so 
with seeking and knocking, we are welcomed in to the Father's house, into his presence. God's grace and God's love justify his disciples regarding our prayer as not only a valuable aspect of communicating in relationship, but also as a valuable weapon in us to fight the good fight that is before us. Our Heavenly Father welcomes us as his children to come and ask, to seek, to knock, to come into his home, to have access to all that is his. And according to his goodness and according to his will, he promises to give it to us. So Jesus tells us to ask, to seek, and to knock. And he uses in verses 9 and 10 an, an illustration of the bread. And we're thinking about our Father, give us this day our daily bread. And Jesus uses bread again to show that our Father cares about our basic needs and wants us to ask him, wants us to come to him and ask for these things. Remember, we're still in the context of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives us the, the uh, Lord's Prayer. And just a few passage, verses later, he is giving us this instruction on asking our Father for all that we need. Just a few verses earlier in chapter 6, Jesus reminds us that we shouldn't be anxious about anything, that, that God provides for all of our needs. He provides for our clothing. He provides for our food. Even if the lilies of the field have what they need, even though they will die tomorrow, they are clothed in more splendor than Solomon. Therefore, don't be anxious about anything, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Jesus reminds us that our, da our daily bread, our daily needs are provided by our Heavenly Father, that he wants us to come to him and ask. But it's more than just bread that we're praying for when we pray, Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Martin Luther rightly saw that bread is more than just the thing that we eat. It is symbolic for everything necessary for the preservation of this life. Food, for sure. Water, for sure. A healthy body. Good weather. A house, home. Uh, the... the uh, Welfare of our, of our families, wives, children, extended families, good government, and peace. All the necessities of life, Luther saw as us, as this petition for our daily bread. All the things that we need as human beings that God has appointed for the necessities of life. And when we ask God for our daily bread, we're not denying the fact that most people have to earn their own living, that farmers have to plow and sow and reap to provide basic grains and things for us to make the daily bread that we ask for, or that we are commanded to feed the hungry ourselves is an expression of ultimate dependence on God. And God normally uses human means of production and distribution through which to fulfill his purposes. You know, it's sometimes hard for us to think about asking God for our daily bread because what do we just do? I need something. I go to the grocery store, right? I go down the street. I pick it up. I need something. I provide for my need by going and getting it. We 
In some ways, it's even harder for us because we've, as in days before, where you had to actually go to the farmer or out to your own barn or out to your own field to gather what you needed and then to produce what you needed. And there was a more of a connection to this is given to me by God. In our modern context, we've often lost track of that. We've often lost connection to that. That somehow we just magically shows up, right? I mean, you ask children who have never been to a farm, where do these things come from? And they'll say the grocery store, right? Where does your bread come from? Where does the meat that we eat come from? Where do the eggs that we eat come from? Where's the cheese come from? And for those who've never witnessed or been, had exposure to a farm or to the process that it takes to get the food that are in our grocery stores, the response is, it comes from the grocery store. God normally uses means that he's given to us to provide for our daily bread and yet still calls us to pray for our daily bread as a sign of our need for him, as an understanding that it is all given to us by him. I mean, you think about it. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, and we might be thinking, well, are we asking for God to just kind of magically provide for us? I mean, think about in Scripture how many times God gave food that was not through the labor of people. Maybe you can come up with three times, right? The people of Israel in the desert wandering, God gave them manna. Elisha by the brook of Cherith when the ravens came to feed him. And Jesus feeding the 5,000, which we read from that passage in our New Testament reading where Jesus fed the 5,000 and the people want more signs, they want more bread, they want to be fed more. God gives us good labor, good work, gives us the means and the ability to provide for our daily bread. And because we're praying not just for our daily bread, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're praying for good jobs, we're praying for a just and prosperous society, not just for us, but for those in need. Remember in Jeremiah 29, God calls the people of Israel to pray for the city that they are in, that as it flourishes, they also might flourish, that as the needs of the people in the city are met by God through our daily prayer, through our daily asking of God to provide for our daily bread, that it blesses all people, including ourselves. And notice that the petition is in the plural. We don't pray only for our own bread. God, give me my bread. God, give me my needs. God, give me my wants. Give me my desires. We pray for our daily bread. We are asking for God to provide not just for our own needs, but for the needs of others, for the needs of our covenant community of God's people, for the needs of our neighbors, for the needs of 
people in our region and city. God, give us our daily bread. And it helps us to remember that it's not just about me, but it also helps us to understand that we are, should be longing to maintain right relationships with others, that we take others' need of bread into consideration, and we share the abundance that we might have with those who have an underabundance or who have a need. And praying like this leads to a greater generosity. We acknowledge that our Father is generous. He's the one who provides for our daily bread. We pray our Father for our daily bread. And this, we acknowledge that we together as God's children seek the good of one another, seek the good of even those who are outside of God's people. We seek to be generous as our Father in heaven is generous. But our daily bread doesn't just speak of our physical needs, but it also speaks of our spiritual needs. Jesus over and over again uses the illustration of bread, not just in terms of what we need to survive physically, the material needs, but he also uses it as a way to describe our spiritual needs. And that he, Jesus is reminding us that there are gifts that our Father gives to his children that he does not give to those who are not his children. Right? We can look at the prayer, God, give us this day our daily bread, and we can look around and see, well, there are people who have no knowledge of God or may even say they hate God or don't follow God or don't have any connection to God, and yet God still gives them good gifts. Right? Scripture reminds us that He gives, sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He helps crops to grow for the just and the unjust. But there are certain things, there are certain gifts that our Heavenly Father only gives to His children. And we need to pray for those. God, our Heavenly Father calls us to pray for those gifts to be given, to pray for the spiritual blessings that He and only He can give, to pray for our daily forgiveness, right? Our next petition is forgive us our debts as we forgive those as we forgive our debtors, or as he says, as Jesus says in Luke, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We pray for daily forgiveness. We pray for deliverance from evil. Lead us not into tempta temptation, but deliver us from evil. We pray for peace. We pray for the increase of faith. Right? Faith is something that our Father gives to us as a gift. And so he desires for us to pray, Lord, increase my faith, right? Help, I believe, help my unbelief. He asks us to pray for an increase of hope, for an increase of love. And the list can go on and on and on. Our Heavenly Father desires to give us those good gifts as well. When we pray for our daily bread, we are praying, our Father, I need the daily bread 
of deliverance from evil. Our Father, I need the daily bread of peace in my life. Our Father, I need the daily bread of increased faith day by day by day. Our Father, increase my love for others, particularly that person at work who drives me crazy or that family member who I'm having a really hard time loving right now. Our Father, give us our daily bread in these and so many other ways that only you can provide. Jesus tells us to ask, to seek, and to knock. He tells us to pray for our daily bread. But God and God's provision is also for our good. In verse 11, verses, verse 11, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? So does this mean that we get whatever we ask for? Some people would say that. There are some Bible teachers, preachers who would say, yes, that's exactly what it means. It means that whatever you ask, if you have enough faith, you will get it. Think about that logically. Does that even make sense or even give us hope? Does it mean that we get whatever we ask for? No. And there's a couple reasons why. Because, first of all, it would place an impossible strain on us. Have you ever thought of that? If God granted yours, your prayers, my prayers for our daily bread in the exact way that we needed, or any of our other prayers, in the exact way that we thought we needed it, think about the strain that that would be. You might be saying, well, that'd be awesome, man. You know, I mean, I could ask for, you know, a new Xbox, and boom, there it is. I could ask for, you know, a new car. Boom, there it is. But this would be an impossible strain on us. Alex Moiter puts it this way. It would, be, it would, it would impose an intolerable, intolerable burden on frail human wisdom if by prayer promises God was pledged to give whatever we ask, when we ask it, and exactly the terms we ask. How could we bear the burden? Being good, our Heavenly Father gives only good gifts to His children. Being all wise, He knows which gifts are good and which are not. Certainly, our Heavenly Father would never give us something harmful, even if we asked for it urgently and over and over and over again. for the simple reason that he only gives his children good gifts. So then if we ask for things, for good things, he grants them because they are good and according to his will. If we ask for things which are not good, either not good in and of themselves or not good for us or for others directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately, see, that's the part that is so hard for us sometimes to come to grips with. 
is that we might be asking for something and go, God, that is so good. I know you answered that prayer in someone else's life, and look how good it, it worked out. Look how good it was for them. But it may not be good for you. Or it might not be good for the others around you. Or it might not be good directly or indirectly. Or it might not be good immediately, but maybe ultimately it will be good. And in those cases, he denies them. And only he knows the difference. Your heavenly Father. You know, there are, going back to this example that Jesus gives about our earthly parents, our earthly fathers giving us, you know, bread when we ask for bread and fish when we ask for fish and not a stone and not a serpent. You know, I think if, it's, if we're honest with ourselves that even our good fathers probably at one time or another gave us something that we asked for, that we believed would be good and they believed would be good for us. And yet it turned out to be the opposite. Because even the best earthly fathers get it wrong sometimes. But our Heavenly Father never gets it wrong. He is our good, good Father. And only He knows the difference. There's no doubt that our prayers are transformed when we remember that the God we are coming to, this God who we come to, that we ask, that we seek, that we knock, the God who provides for our bread and for our good, when we come to Him and understand that He is our Abba, Father. That He is our Abba, Father, and is infinitely good and kind, it transforms the way that we come to him in prayer. What could be a simpler concept of prayer? If we belong to Christ, God is our Father, and we are his children, and prayer is coming to him with our requests. But the trouble is that for many of us, it's just too simple, too simplistic. But guess what? That's Jesus' point. We're not coming to the God of the universe and negotiating with him at like some kind of conference table. We're not sitting there with God on one end and us on the other and saying, hey, God, well, if I do this, how about what are you going to do? Or God, hey, look at what I've done. Hey, how are you going to respond to that? We're not negotiating with God when we come to him in prayer. We are coming to the God of the universe, the almighty king, but not in a negotiation. We're coming to him as our Abba, as our Daddy, as our Papa. Instead of a conference table, we are climbing into his lap. And we are saying, Father, I'm asking 
I'm seeking. I'm knocking. You and I come as a child who trusts his daddy to give him what will be good for you and for others. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that we do indeed come to you as our Father, as our Papa, as our dear Father, as our Daddy. And that we don't come to you as in a negotiation, like some hostage situation, like sitting around some kind of conference room table, trying to negotiate a takeover of a company. But we climb into your lap. We say, Daddy, I'm here. Papa, I'm here. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Give me and all those that I care about our daily bread. And only give what is good. Because too often I desire what is not. Lord God, I pray that that would be our prayer. That would be how we come to you for our daily bread. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.